0: This podcast is under WildGeesePress.com and d You burst through the door. You find a small room filled with gold jewels and a red dragon. He
1: starts to breathe. Save or die! I'm all entwined like a fishy lady in pollen. Ancient of Babylon.
2: The Save or Die podcast, a podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. Bring on your goblin hogs and band of oaks, Hoping zombies, angupts. Episode 63 and of Die or Save. you <laughs> Or something.
0: First thing. Save or Taco.
2: Save or Taco. That's the new show. This is DM Mike, as always, with DM Liz. Hello. And DM Glenn. We know a farm down in Berkshire where and, Mr. Bradley lives.
0: Every July, peas grow there. Yes, hello. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and we have on the show to answer some questions about his work, both past and future, Jim Wampler. Would that be DM
3: Jim? Uh, sure. Greetings, programs. <laughs> I'm waving. I, I promise not to flip out like Tom Wom does, but it's Wompler.
4: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was okay. just thinking to myself, you know, we probably should have asked how to pronounce your name before we started the recording, but oh That's well. Okay.
3: <laughs> well, you know,
0: I, I always say I give people the benefit of the doubt. Like that guy you, who wrote the one module, Harry Knuckles, all this time <laughs> I've been saying it's like, Is that how you pronounce it?
2: <laughs> he might prefer it that way. I don't know. Yeah. We need to find him. Get an interview. Uh, that's, yeah, <laughs> he, he wrote Castle Caldwell. So
0: anyway. Saver Saver Die has hairy knuckles.
2: Yeah. Now that's a perfect title, right there.
0: Yes, it is. Anyway, yeah, what, did I, what did I do gaming this week? Not a dang thing. Go ahead, Mike. Just move it on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, you either you are the, <laughs> you're probably. Best known for doing Marvin the Mage. That's true. And doing some incredibly awesome t-shirt art. Yes. For only Saber
3: Dice Yeah. And Pig Face Dorks. And Pig Face Dorks. Uh, the only RFI podcast with Pig Face Dorks on their homepage.
4: Yeah.
0: Come to NPR come to North Texas RPG Con sometime. I want to picture
3: take a picture of you shaking Errol Otis's hand. Oh well, thank you. Um, I'm coming no matter what. If I have to beg, borrow, steal, or hitchhike, I'm coming.
2: Oh, that's cool.
0: Oh, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna see
3: if I can get him into a Greg Sparrow maze game. That'll be fun. Well, one of the reasons this is my favorite podcast is you're the guys that just from the show I want to sit down and game with as a listener. So, I would be be honored to game with you.
4: I think it'll be tons of fun.
3: Yes, it would. Give this me a mage and a few spells, and I'm happy.
0: Yeah, if you're, DM, if you're well, here's 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 a hint. If you're DMing, keep the kobolds coming. It makes Liz happy. Yeah.
3: <laughs> if you if you kill me fewer times than Tim Kask or Jim Ward have, I'll be happy also. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's a, that's a high bar to meet. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> hey. Yeah, was it just last year, Liz? Jim Ward killed us in Metamorphosis Alpha, right?
4: Oh, yeah, and we were happy to die, which was the really sad part about it all. Mm.
2: (laughs) That is sad. I died last, though, with giant mutated hairy feet, though.
3: (laughs) At GaryCon this year, I came the closest I've ever come. I was literally two steps from the door and... About to die any second, and one of my – I got to play Sarge. One of my guys jumped in front of me and took a hit to get me one step closer to the door, and that's how close I was when I bit it. Ooh.
4: Now, see, that's why we died, because Sarge did not want to retreat from –
2: the of uh, right, radioactive giant slugs.
4: Yeah, you know, there's, you know, a hundred of these things closing in on us. But, you know, we've been told at the beginning of the game that we all look up to Sarge, you know, we all follow Sarge's lead, we trust him implicitly. You know, Sarge wasn't going. It's like, I can't go cuz the LT tried to run off earlier in the game. And, but who cares you know, about him? Yeah, but I mean You know, the LT went off and, you know, the rest of us gave him the hairy eyeball afterwards. It's like, ooh, how could you? It's like, I can't leave. Sarge isn't leaving. Nobody will respect me. (laughs) So I died. (laughs) So, Jim, you know, like we said before, we know you best right now as not only the creator of the Marvin the Mage webcomic, but also the fantastic art that you've done for us you know, T-shirts, our web banner, everything. Um, However, you know, I was not aware until we started doing some research on you that, you know, you had something to do with the publication of the fourth edition Metamorphosis Alpha game.
3: Yeah, that was basically me. Um, uh, That's how I met Jim Ward back in uh, 2005. He, Mm -hmm. uh, was uh trying to get that published was looking for some angel investors my brother and i had a tech startup at the time and uh some money in our pockets and i formed a game company and had a one year adventure in game publishing (laughs) so mud puppy is still out there right no, no, no. I mean, the company lasted exactly a year. Uh, we did Metamorphosis Alpha, fourth edition, and a little sci-fi miniatures rule set I wrote called Galacta and uh, revived the old Heritage line of Galacta miniatures and published those. And, I mean, you could still go out there and buy the game. There's cases of that stuff sitting in a warehouse down in Oxville.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in the back of my living room. i got to get rid of them, please. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, that's not Galactic Grenadiers.
3: No, it was the old Heritage USA... Uh, line the company that's down there where you guys are Uh,
2: right okay yeah i'm thinking of ral partha i think was collected grenadiers and you are if we haven't mentioned it already
0: the art the art editor for gygax magazine Yes, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. No, not really. I
3: mean, <laughs> you were. good... Well, it just started out, uh, Jason contacted me about the uh, webcomic, uh, or about getting Marvin the Mage in the magazine, and that was uh, prior to them adding uh, Phil Foglio and Rich Berlew and um, I said yes, and uh, then uh, Jason and I just were corresponding. He found out I had some uh, startup prior experience and also some uh, print publication prior experience, and they invited me to join the new TSR.
0: Wow, that's great! That is wonderbar. And so, uh, what makes—I mean, other than that, what makes you so special as a gamer? Uh, what's your—what's your cred?
3: Uh, my gaming pedigree. I yeah. started in class of '79. Yay! Um, I, uh, as a as a teenager, I stumbled on some college guys that were just switching over from the little brown books and supplements to a d anD D, uh-huh. and they got me started. And uh, that Christmas, I decided it was a good idea to get my brother the uh, Holmes basic set. And uh-huh. he started a campaign that, uh, off and on, it's still rolling. But uh, for 10 or 15 years there, we played it straight. Uh-huh. And every new edition that came out, we would just upgrade to whatever that was and play.
2: <coughs> wow, that's almost how I started out. Except I, I kind of did it backwards. I got the Holmes, then I found a group that was playing Brown Book, and we played that out a few months and then went to 1E.
3: And even uh, today, I'm in uh, Tim Casks od campaign, although we're on a brief hiatus right now, and uh, I uh, am a Dungeon Crawl Classics RPG evangelist. I found that game when it came out, and uh, very fortunate here in Cincinnati that one of the playtesters for them, uh, Rick Hull, will uh, run one-offs for us. I can't get him to start a campaign. I'm dying to play in a campaign of that.
0: I'm starting. Yeah. I'm starting to uh, to have second thoughts about DCC. Um, as far, and I'm I'm saying second thoughts in the good way.
4: <laughs> I was about to ask, you know, second thoughts good or second thoughts bad?
0: So, so, second thoughts good because we long ago we talked about when it, before it came out that I think Crispy was on the show too, and it's like, what we have to go out and buy different dice? No, we're not going to play this game.
1: But now well, I was-
3: that's a reaction I don't really understand, because that was the cool thing in the home's basic set. When we first opened it up, there were all these crazy dice we'd never seen before. So you get to experience that all over again.
4: Yeah, but we gotta-
2: or if you were really lucky, you got the sets with the chits.
4: Lucky? Yeah. Is that what you call it? <laughs> and the
2: Yahtzee Cup.
4: Yeah, but you know. And we
2: were thankful...
0: And now you're marketing to people like me who are 55 saying, "I already got the funny dice. I don't need more funny dice." But then again, I go out and buy a pound of dice anyway. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say,
2: say cuz every gamer only buys exactly the dice they need. Oh, shush. And never any more than that. Get out, out of town. Uh-huh. All right.
3: Yeah, that's why well, uh, Joseph Goodman did a genius thing with that game. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of all the retro clones and revisits of prior editions, but he looked at uh, Dungeon Call Classics as an opportunity to go back to the original literary source material, the appendix and stuff, and sort of reimagine it. Okay, we're Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson in 2010 or whenever it was. Let's really build a system around this so the, the uh, Vancian magic system out Vancians AD&D. Wow. And I'm an old Gamma World guy. That was the campaign I've run the longest. And, you know, so if I throw a spell and I end up with a rat's head, I don't care.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll try not to go in my soapbox about e- Appendix N, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so you currently are on hiatus with Tim
3: Kask, right? We just had to suspend the campaign to ditch a couple of 4E players that were being really obnoxious. Mm. Really? They couldn't conceive of a campaign that didn't center solely on ongoing monologues of their personal characters.
0: You know, I would—I wish I could say that just existed in 4E,
3: <laughs>
0: but I can't count on how many times I've been courted in game sort of convinced by somebody who wants to tell me exactly what their
3: character's background is. Tim's actually getting—I'm sorry, Tim's actually getting ready to do an online game through the chat rooms on uh, Dragon's Foot. Oh, so yeah, I saw doing. that. Wow. So, anybody wants a taste of O D and D under TimCast can sign up for that.
0: Mm-hmm. that might be, thank you, thank you for for letting us know about that. So, tell us all about Gygax Magazine. What's
3: what's going on with that? Um, it's a we want to know. It's going to be a new print uh, gaming magazine. It'll be available in uh, print, uh, iPad version through the um, newsstand app, and uh, PDF for whatever other device you have. Mm-hmm and uh it's very much in the spirit of the old dragon magazines without having that same uh, blend of content because there are certain things that are just silly to do now. I mean to go to a print publication for uh, a review of a game it's you know on somebody's blog the day after it hits the game store <laughs> right so no 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 news or uh, reviews just uh, good gaming com uh, content and uh, a little bit about the lifestyle too. The idea of it is to um respect the roots and nurture the shoots to do, to try and bridge between the old school and the new school and just include everybody so you get that real eclectic we just cover, every, if it's on a tabletop, we cover it. Okay, good.
4: Well, since you're not reviewing or any of the other you know standard things that one usually expects from a gaming magazine up until this point, what exactly is your focus going to be when you're focusing on the RPGs and tabletop games?
3: Uh, Game aids, game content, uh, feature articles, Uh, we've got uh, and and really uh, high quality, high end pro stuff. Nice. Uh, The first issue we've got, uh, Ethan Gilsdorf, the pop cultural journalist who wrote Fantasy Freaks and Gaming Geeks. uh, Len Lakofka is writing for us. Uh, We're calling the new column, uh, Leomit Secure Shelter.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've read Ethan's book, and uh, it's one of the few, quote-unquote, pop books about the gaming culture that I've been able to get all the way through without snarling, because so well, no, seriously, so many of them they, they write it, and it's like they're talking about the gaming hobby, but it's always this kind of you know... Uh, Oh, isn't this silly? Yes, I used to do that, and boy, aren't I glad I'm out of it kind of phase. Oh yeah. And that's very annoying.
3: Almost but, it's second or third person instead of first person.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very, I'm better now, in other words.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Or or something similar, very very oh, I can't think of the word. <laughs> ah. So you can have yeah. So
0: have a letters column with all these people writing in asking these impossible questions about D and
2: D. Oh yeah. Well, y'all. Will, will there be a kind of uh, sage guild, uh, sages get guide? Or
3: I don't think so because again, that's something that could be better handled probably on the Gygax magazine website or forums that we'll eventually end up with. But uh, but that's you good. never know. I we I have you know being from the generation I'm from, I have to keep the nostalgia on a leash, on a tight leash, because there are things I'd like to see that wouldn't necessarily interest a 14-year-old.
2: Yeah, and, well, frankly, without, and since this TSR doesn't have a specific game system or anything, and if you leave it open, answering, you know, sage advice for any role-playing game, oh my gosh, you could get <laughs> drowned in that very quickly. Uh-huh,
0: yeah, I can understand that.
3: So, but, uh, okay.
0: uh, Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Leading to something totally different.
3: Oh, I'm just—I'm really proud of the authors we have writing for us. Uh, Steve Kenson, uh, the guy who did Mutants wow. and Masterminds*. Yes,
0: yes, I—I I bowed to the altar of Kenson a few years ago.
3: He's—he's he's <laughs> got a piece on there that—that's uh, a representative of the what I mean by game aids. It's a piece with new powers for the Icons RPG. Yes. Uh, Dennis Dennis Suster, who I've right. loved since I was a kid. Uh, the guy that did burrows and bunny or bunnies and burrows. Yes, and just playing his game
4: at North Texas. Oh, I hope I'm going to be able to sign up in time. I'm going to try real hard.
2: <laughs>
4: it's a feeding frenzy when the when the boards open up to sign up for things.
2: Yeah, last year it was like it opened at midnight and starting around 12.01, it kept crashing because every time we're trying to get signed up, everything would lock up because there were so many people on there trying to get signed up
0: so that's great so Dennis Astaire you also mm-hmm. got let's see yeah Steve Kenson that's good so Dennis Astaire who else uh,
3: Michael Curtis who's a personal friend of mine the guy that did the dungeon alphabet for Goodman Games oh, and yeah uh, was framed mm-hmm. he's got this little swamp village uh, thing that you can drop right into any campaign oh wow I've got the map on my drafting table right now trying to get it in because we're past deadline oh boy yeah you know how it goes oh yeah Oh, yeah.
2: So, is there any particular RPG content that the magazine will not be looking at?
3: There's no limitations on it. Uh, we just want to uh, do, uh, you know, some OSR content and some current stuff. Hmm. Okay.
2: okay, but you'll take most anything as long as it's role playing,
3: right? The uh, people. Have well, based asked, on know. quality, of course right it's it's been through solicitation only so far i don't know beginning the first issue is just sort of a demo issue sort of like a one-off to uh, put in advertisers and customers hands so they can see what it's like and then beginning with two is when it'll be more like regular quarterly magazine
0: what about the artwork i mean aside from like you know, the comics and stuff like, looks like you've got a lot of, a lot of people
3: lined, a lot of vets lined up for uh, doing the artwork in there too. Yeah. That's been my part of this whole thing is, is lining up the uh, art talent. And uh, I, I, I'm just like, um, I mean, I don't want to get hysterical about it, but I'm humbled by uh, getting to work with some of the people that I've been uh, able to work with so far. We wanted to get a really uh, perfect blend of uh, old industry legend vet talent and brand new people who are going to be famous, you just don't know them yet, and we've been able to do that. Uh, Daniel Horn is doing our cover on the first issue. Wow. Uh, I love that guy. I mean, those old dragons from the 80s, we all saw those. I mm-hmm. um, I don't. I, we haven't uh, put it in cement yet, but I think Larry Elmore is probably cover number two. Ooh.
0: I, I knew it. I knew it. I was going to say, they're going to get Elmore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh, Jeff D., Diesel, David LaForce, uh, Darlene. And Tom cool. Mullen. So, that, I mean, that, those were all my favorite artists uh, from the old That's great. Uh, Peter Mullen, who uh, has done a lot of good work for uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah. That's great. That is great. Oh, it's, I want to give special mention to Alyssa Faden, too. She's got this piece in there that I, I think is going to be the centerpiece of the whole first issue because everybody knows her as a cartographer. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we didn't have anything that needed a map, but we wanted her to participate. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has done this thing that's a map of the entire RPG cosmos. Oh. Every single game ever. I'll All see that.
2: Wow. Is it doing it kind of like uh, Gary's various planes of existence or a totally
3: different paradigm? Um, that was sort of the idea I started with, but then it turned into this thing like the map they stole in Time Bandits.
4: Oh, wow. Oh, that's
3: She's <laughs> amazing.
4: I've seen some of her stuff on... Uh old school gamers, you know, on Facebook and, you know, yeah, her maps are incredible looking. I'm really excited to see that. I also want to know who did you have to kill to get Phil Fuglio <laughs> to be a part of this? Yeah. I am just amazed.
2: Yeah, cuz from some of his, you know, because of the whole past, I don't know a whole bunch about it, but I know that there was some bad blood between him and at least old TSR.
3: Well, the, this, this TSR is completely unconnected with the old TSR in terms of anything except, uh, I mean, Tim Kask is our consulting editor. He's basically just advising us. And
2: right, right. Obviously it's an entirely different company that just has the
3: same acronym. Um, Phil was great. Phil just said, sure. Oh, okay. (laughs) And, uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't take it any harder than I did. Uh, tell you something about the, uh, the, the art philosophy behind the magazine. All the uh, art is handcrafted so it's pen and ink. Yes. Painted. Uh, I would say no digital art but uh, obviously uh, Rich Berleau, that's that uh, was part of the integrity of his strip but uh, I mean my webcomic I turned it in with uh, my usual digital coloring and we decided no let's hand color this and uh, same thing for uh, Phil Foglio and he's like well Okay, if that's how you want it, he couldn't have been nicer about it.
2: Okay, wow. well, I just know he's pretty busy with his own projects, <laughs> girl genius, and et cetera. So, I'm gratified that he's been willing to participate like that. That is really nice. I always enjoyed uh, what's new with Phil and Dixie. Was always the first thing I would flip to in the '80s, late '70s and '80s to Dragon Magazine. It's like, okay, let's flip to what's new with Phil and Dixie. And well, are they covering sex and ad and a D <laughs> <laughs> and D yet?
3: Hey, I was dragons? fourteen. What do you want? <laughs> well he's doing uh, what's new with Phil and Dixie, so it's back. The, 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 so you get cool. to go home again. Um order uh, of uh, st- Rich's st- order the stick uh, comics are gonna pick up the dragon continuity.
2: Oh, okay. Will What's New with Phil and Dixie be picket? Because I know he did it for, like, quote unquote, Modern Dragon for a while back in the early
0: odds. And I think, he's been, I think he put out but. some online, too.
2: Did he? Okay. Yeah, the, I, so I can not know do, if it's going to be cont- continuing for that or just kind of rebooting, or.
3: Um, I'll, I'll let
2: you see and find out for yourself. Ah! <laughs> well, that's the kind of strip you don't really need to follow a
3: continuity because it's.
2: True, true.
3: Yeah. But he can neither confirm nor deny. That's true. Well, but that's what of, I mean. That's what I mean about how lucky I feel just to be a part of all this. Because I mean, I I was a fan of his stuff from the illustrations in the Myth Adventure books, you know, yeah. all the way back to Starlog magazine.
0: Wow, was he in that?
3: Yeah, yeah, he used to do spot art for him. Oh, okay. Wow, didn't know.
4: Well, no. speaking of fourteen-year-olds and their art tastes. <laughs> There has been some talk, at least on some of the Facebook forums. Um, You and Tim Kask have both said that there will be no chainmail bikinis in Gygax magazine. And as a female gamer, I fully support that decision. I think it's fantastic.
2: (laughs) What if it's guys wearing chainmail bikinis?
3: (laughs) Well, I I mean, I don't want to get into the politics of that, but you can't really do to guys... You can't do that to guys because we don't care.
1: Yeah.
3: Oh,
0: we care if it was a bikini.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs>
3: the uh, the uh, art house style is exactly as you say. It's just not going to uh, not uh, you know beautiful fantasy art, a beautiful fantasy characters that doesn't have to demean either gender. Because um, it's 2012, and it's just the uh, the right thing to do. Uh, we're going to be very much about uh, the advocacy of. Uh, uh, easy entry of uh, female players into the hobby like we all want to do. So, uh, uh, aside from the no cheesecake policy, no chainmail bikinis, um, we're also actively recruiting as much uh, 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 articles and art by women uh, contributors as possible. I was really happy to get Darlene to join the band. Um, uh, we've got uh, Alyssa, a brand new artist uh, named Nikki Bradley, who's doing a piece for uh, an article on the godlike RPG. And that's just what we're going to be about.
1: That's okay.
0: Good. That's good. So um, I've got to ask about one of my personal favorites. That's absent there. Did you guys ever get a chance to talk to Jolly Blackburn?
3: Um, Jolly and us are all friends. I, I, of the, of the group of us, I probably know Jolly the least. Um, just okay. to shake his hand and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, there's a. I mean, I would love to have Jolly do cartoons for us I, or something like that. that. In fact, nights at, nights of the dinner table and that would be great. I just don't think that's feasible because they have their own publication thing and there would be IP concerns there. But I mean, we love Jolly, and Jolly loves us, so
0: uh, just a happy family. Okay, just I had to ask because that's one of my favorites. I remember that from Dragon Two, and uh, heck, I remember that from Shadis Magazine. Uh, but, okay, I'm done.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> still, I never
0: even got to see those. Unbelievable. They were unbel- no, they were unbelievable. I'm gonna say you're unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Glenn. Okay, let's go. Do
2: <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know how much the first issue is going to be, as far as the PDF version or the print version? Has, has there been a? T- I know when Jason was asked about it on RFI, it was still kind of up in the air.
3: It uh, it still is. I mean. We kind of know, but we're just trying to tweak it and make sure it's exactly right. Um, but I can tell you that the uh, the distribution pricing model is going to be uh, exactly what uh, DC Comics does right now because we want to do it in a way that makes sense. Old uh, old grognards like me want their paper copy; they can file on the shelf and right. you know, look at five years from now. Um, less everybody... than
2: twenty dollars. Oh sure, sure, absolutely. One less issue, a... okay.
3: <laughs> but the the model will be it'll be available. F- uh, online and through the uh, newsstand for iPads at one price, uh, a slightly more price for the print version, but the print version will include a code that also gives you the electronic version.
2: Oh, perfect because Liz would prefer the print copy, obviously with me. I need the PDF version
0: so that
2: would work out great. Yeah,
0: because i got PDFs of frankly everything and I would rather have a book in my hand because I hate sitting there at the computer trying to read it. I can't read it on a Kindle. I don't have an iPad. So give me a print
2: version. I'll be happy. Well, it saves me from having to scan it in and to read it myself. So. True.
3: Well, you buy the print version, and you get the electronic version uh, for the same price, and uh, it, everything will be uh, DRM-free because we're just going to go Oh, with this. good,
2: because my converter hates that. <laughs>
3: okay well it's just sort of adopting the steve jobs philosophy of people don't most people don't want to steal so if you just make it easy for them to buy it they will yeah
2: right right and that's why i never understood about wizards of the coast yanking all the old out of print tsr stuff because of piracy and my first thought was okay yeah i mean nothing stops piracy than preventing people from getting something legally (laughs)
3: what good
2: point <laughs> but, well, yeah.
3: I mean, it's all kind of silly anyway. Because in my day job, I'm a web developer, and there's no DRM that somebody can't crack. So,
0: yeah,
2: That's true. yeah,
0: okay. Um, as far as like, okay, we'll say like, print. what's what's been your your response from like game stores and stuff where you want to sell it on the newsstand, as you say, on the newsstand.
3: Um, we're still working on all that right now. This first issue that'll be out this month is going to be available uh, by order through us, and uh, that'll be pretty much it for the first issue. We'll have distribution for the second issue where it'll show up in your your game store.
0: Okay, I just wondered how much how much response you were getting, like you know, from the distributors or the or the game stores? Because I, I would like to walk into my game store and pick up a copy.
2: But at the same time, people seem at least retailers seem to be getting more and more magazine shy true you know i'm I'm just curious if if you've run
3: into that or not probably
2: this it's too early in the game for you to probably tell one way or the
3: other a little bit but i can tell you the advertiser response has been fantastic really good that's good that is that is great
2: that's that's gratifying to know that's a good sign
3: I mean, everybody involved in this is very smart and very up on uh, what the modern models need to be to make these things uh, work. I mean, because people get into this sort of binary thinking like, you know, in the 50s when television came out, it was going to kill movie ticket sales, and it didn't. And every technology disruption causes the the model to change, but the old forms never go away. We still have newspapers. We still have radio, uh, even though they're podcasts. And so we're going to do this the smart way and uh so that it works as a business
2: yeah that's true i was fortunate enough to to chat with uh gary gygax about the whole rpg industry at one time and i really liked how he phrased everybody's saying that with computer games especially mmos it was going to kill tabletop rpgs and it was always his opinion it's like no you know they'll always be tabletop he compared it to like live theater Uh uh-huh whereas an mmo was more like television yeah obviously that's going to make a lot more money but you know live theater is always going to be there
3: and instead of dying there's a renaissance going on yeah there you go so was a nice little side effect
2: uh, question, getting back to the art, which is probably an odd question coming from me, but I know you mentioned the no cheesecake, you know, no chamel bikini, or I assume beefcake as well. Um, is there any particular art style y'all are aiming for, or is it, you know, you're willing to entertain most anything as long as it's tasteful fantasy? I mean, are you looking for a retro feel? You're looking for a modern anime all of the
3: above. That's kind of a complicated question, just in, ev- in the sense that everybody has an idea, a different idea, what retro means. Right. But uh, yeah, true enough.
4: Uh, yeah, to some people, it's Errol Otis. To other people, retro means um, Frank Frazetta. Yeah.
3: Or <laughs> I, I can explain what we're looking for by talking about the TSR logo, uh, because uh, Jason and I did that logo together. Uh, and just spent an enormous amount of time talking and going through different revisions of it because we wanted it to call back to the old days but still function as a 21st century uh, logo you know so it had to look like it uh, the the way we summed the idea up is we wanted it to look like one of the logo ideas that fell off the table in 1980 Mm-hmm. But it but it still has to be modern. It has to be something simple that a kid could sketch on his notebook, and that's how we uh, arrived at the TSR logo. So it's it's the same idea. Something that uh, feels maybe retro in the sense that you mean it, just in that it's pen and ink. It's you know it's nice, crisp, hand drawn art. It's not digital. Nobody did it on a Wacom tablet. Um, <laughs> But the but the art that we've gotten even from the uh, the new people is just fantastic. It's gonna it's gonna knock your socks out. You're gonna go like, oh wait, well this is what uh, it would look like if Dragon Magazine were around today.
2: Okay. In the good. So sense. you're looking, yeah, you're looking for a wide range then.
3: Stylistically, yes. Um, Stylistically, uh, yeah. You know, with, with some caveats, uh, I don't really see us leaning towards a, an anime area, but there's a pretty eclectic range of uh, illustration styles in the first issue.
0: I am so glad to hear you say that. I just am.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, for those who might wish to submit articles, is there a particular procedure or submission guidelines set up yet, or is that still in in the hammering out phase?
3: Yeah, this we went public a little sooner than we planned on because the information leaked about the the magazine. So there's a lot of things that we don't have snapped in place that we should. The uh, solicitate or the uh, submission guidelines, I believe, are going to be through solicitation only, but we haven't hammered that out yet. is, okay. that, is that for articles and art? Uh, yes. Damn. Uh, but, okay, Um Glenn. <laughs> Send me your art. You know, the one thing we don't have in the magazine yet that I just really want are some nice single-panel cartoons. Oh, okay. I can do those.
0: Right? I can, yeah, Right, guys? I can, yeah, okay,
4: fine. <laughs> yes, Glenn, you can do that.
0: Yes, Glenn, you can. Okay, I've seen, give me permission. I've stuff. You can definitely do that.
2: <laughs> All right, then. All right, then. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, although, I mean, when the website – Wow, Artists. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> hey.
4: <laughs> you might want to rethink that statement. Yeah,
2: I mean, considering the crowd I'm in. Yeah, anyway. You're surrounded right now. I you know. am, really. Anyway, speaking from Jim
0: and the guy whose wife isn't on the podcast. Uh, <laughs>
1: thanks. Well, <Yes.
0: laughs> I just sort of the air out of that room, didn't I? <laughs> I thought you were about to say
1: something. No, no, go on. <laughs> uh,
0: my brain is empty. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: Oklahoma will do that to you. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, could I talk just a bit about who the principles are behind all this? Yes. yes. So, people, so people just aren't taking my word for it, like, who's that guy? He does Marvin the Mage, woohoo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Cause Because uh, it's I, I, working with a really... Great group of people. I, you guys know Jason a little bit, but Jason Elliott is the publisher and editor-in-chief. Uh, he did Permission Magazine and obviously started the role for Initiative Podcast back in the day, Longtime uh, old-school gamer. Um, our games editor is James Carpio, who's with uh, Chapter 13 Press and is working on Tales from the Fallen Empire for Dungeon Crawl Classics right now. <laughs> And that guy has got, like, the Encyclopedia Galactica of game knowledge. Any, qu- like, You love him, Mike. Any question you want to ask about any system, that guy knows it. Wow. And uh, Luke and Ernie Gygax, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, who are really, uh, uh, in some ways, setting our compass for us. Because the the whole thing about naming it Gygax Magazine, uh, it could have just easily been named Gygaxian, because that's the spirit of... Uh, that they grew up with at the gaming table that's part of what this magazine is going to be about, where it's just, you know, it's not uh, Pathfinder only or, you know, D&D only. It's, you know, whatever we feel like playing tonight at the table kind of thing.
2: And while that certainly is retro in the sense that that's what was, I think, most of us experienced in the late 70s and the early 80s, I, I get uncomfortable when people try to say, well, that's an old view of gaming you know I, it, it's a particular view and I think it could be just as relevant today and obviously you guys agree oh
0: yes
3: well I, I absolutely agree because I mean it's just I mean I have I have nephews who are all uh, well they were teenagers they're not anymore and it's the same thing they, they're just like we are they they'd want to play whatever excites them at the moment
2: right and to try to say oh well that was 20 years ago so it can't be relevant today of course it can but anyway sorry I didn't mean to interrupt I just wanted to to mention that
3: and uh, so Luke and uh, Ernie are publishers with the company and obviously we've got uh, you know the, the great and powerful Tim Kask as our consulting editor
0: how does that consulting editor thing do does he like stand behind Jason's desk with a baseball bat and wax him on the head no that's not how
3: we did it <laughs> no, no. Tim, no Tim, Tim, is,
0: it's probably <laughs> sorry go ahead
3: well, you guys have had Tim on the show, so I mean, you—you, you, I mean, he's very cost-effective. You ask him uh, for his advice on one question, and you get thirty or forty minutes of answer. Oh
2: yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I used first couple of North Texas RPG cons. We just sit around and chat with him about the old days or his opinions or. Oh yeah, and we learned to always bring chickens. But anyway.
3: <laughs> but I mean, for anybody who's listening who wasn't back, you know, buying game magazines or games in 1979, Tim was the founding editor of. Uh, Dragon magazine, and then went on from that to do a whole other gaming magazine, which is how I actually first met him about 30 Adventure years gaming? Ago. Yeah. 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 He moved to Cincinnati to do that at uh, Partha, oh. and uh, back in those days, we were just little obnoxious teenagers who would drive up to Rau Partha about once a month on a Saturday from Kentucky to buy miniatures, because they would sell them to us by weight. Wow. Oh, wow. On Saturdays they opened the place up, because they're in their casting anyway.
1: Yeah.
3: And uh, nice. that's when I first, first met Tim. And actually, exactly. Marvin the Mage was first in Adventure Gaming Magazine back in like '83, and he didn't even remember that. <laughs> I had to—I I was at his house, and I pulled up the magazine, and I pointed to him, like, oh, "See, there he is, right there." Do you there. remember
2: the the issue number?
3: Uh, I don't.
2: Okay, because I've got at least ten or eleven of them. Because after I first met, yeah. You know, actually got to meet Tim Cask in person. I'd never heard of Adventure Gaming magazine. It never made it in the area I was, but then when I found out about it I started collecting it and we ought to look through there, Liz, see if we can find Marvin the Mage in one of them.
4: Yeah.
3: That well, would... not I mean I was a teenager at the time. They're little single panel cartoons, so don't get you know
4: we, hey, we won't hold them against you, we no, promise. No.
3: <laughs> Although we may get you to sign one of them.
0: That would be nice so what's what's next for TSR any
3: clue any idea it's uh, just the magazine for right now but uh, we are going to be publishing some kind of game aids and game supplements Oh, good uh, the important thing to know is we're not trying to uh, create the next big RPG or anything silly like that that
0: would be silly yeah um, since you have Tim Kask on board you guys think of doing anything with Eldritch Enterprises
3: um, that's a that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, they've got an ad in the first issue. Okay, <laughs> okay. I mean, saw some uh, stuff at the last convention. It's pretty good stuff. So. Well, obviously, I'm prejudiced in their direction um, because I I know most of those guys and uh, and have been killed in most of Tim's adventures. So he's <laughs> killed more <laughs> often. I
0: love the guy. Yeah. <laughs>
3: but uh sure i mean we're open to to anything it'll uh, it'll, it'll be it'll be author driven you know um Obviously, right. as a consulting editor, Tim's going to be a, a regular contributor, and uh, if he wants to give us like a preview to something that's coming out in Eldritch, that would be fantastic. Um, uh, I like what they're doing with the systems-neutral approach, and Michael Curtis's piece that'll be in the first issue is is the same sort of thing. You could you could take his uh, little campaign mini campaign setting of the Swamp Village and throw it in any game.
2: So, when you say system-neutral, do you mean just kind of as a generic? still OGL or truly system neutral in that there's virtually no actual statistics given?
3: Um, well, I don't want to speak for Eldridge, but their stuff is truly system neutral, and uh, uh, this, the particular Michael Curtis piece is sort of generally system neutral. I mean, he still says levels and things like that. Okay. I don't remember. Okay. That's fine. It's a wonderful piece, and I mean, you know, any confident DM, it's five minutes work to drop it in.
0: Okay. Good, cool, cool. So I hear you have a few things that you're gonna kinda drop on us here that nobody else knows about about uh Gygax magazine.
3: Well, I, I need Liz to ask me uh, if there are any kobolds. Do it, do it, it do it, do it,
4: Liz. do it, do do it. Well, Jim.
3: Do it with your fun your your perky voice.
4: Are there any kobolds in this magazine?
3: Um, we're very privileged to uh, have a regular section that's going to be in there called Kobold's Corner, so they'll have their own corner in the Ooh-hoo. magazine. Ooh, yes. Um, <laughs> Wolfgang Bauer is going to uh, contribute.
4: Wow. Oh, wow.
3: We and there'll could. be lizards, right? Um, I have no idea.
1: Bobbies! Uh, <laughs> 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 <That> is- <laughs>
3: If I draw them, they will probably stri- look strikingly like the uh, Monster Manual version.
2: <laughs> uh, hey, you
1: get, hey, you got
0: the pig faced orcs? What do you want? You come on.
3: P- pig faced orcs, puppy faced kobolds. <laughs> yeah,
1: just,
3: but uh, yeah. obviously, we didn't know Kobold Quarterly was gonna um, fold as we've been planning this because this has been we've been planning this and working on it for a long time and uh, and very much part of our philosophy is the rising tide raises all ships, so I was like everybody else when uh, Wolfgang announced that they weren't going to publish anymore. I'm like, oh, you know, damn. And uh, we reached out to him right away to uh, see if he wanted to jump on board and bring some of that Cobalt uh, Quarterly goodness to uh, Kygax magazine, and he has uh, graciously agreed to join us.
4: Well, I'm uh, glad he's going to be a part of it. I I was just stunned when the news went out that Cobalt Quarterly was not going to make any more Issues, because, you know, from everything that I had heard generally, you know, everyone always had great things to say about Cobalt Quarterly. It was very popular, and, you know, it just came as a really big surprise to me to find out, you know, that they were having problems.
2: (laughs) Yeah, obviously we didn't. You know, have access to their sales numbers or anything but just from the buzz on the net it seemed to be a very well liked and respected magazine
3: well I, I mean I don't know any more than anybody else does but I don't I don't I, it didn't strike me as it was problems as much as it was just uh, you know a huge resource drain and, yeah. and uh, sometimes you have to make those decisions in business where, where do we want to focus yeah
2: yeah, true enough
3: because they're, 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 they're still doing great and they're still going to be publishing all kinds of game stuff okay
0: that's good that's good so wow Cobalt Corner there you go Liz you're all set
4: that's right you've got a you've got a faithful subscriber for life now well,
0: that's one sale right there
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey I've already signed up on the on the website to get the news as soon as it's available by so oh I think
0: all of us have
3: <laughs> oh you guys are very nice <laughs> got to get Vince on board with this.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: is, is he not? He sounded like he was. He probably is already, probably
0: as far as we is. know. He probably is. He probably is. So, you're getting your co and we got a great magazine coming out. That is just fantastic. Are you guys going to have, like, any of the quirky stuff that Dragon used to have? Like, I still have – the only pre- – I have the entire run of dragon on PDF, but the only print one I have is, I think it was 156, where they put an actual deck of many things in there or stuff like little games like elephant hunt and stuff like that. Are you guys ever going to do anything like that?
3: I, if I have anything to say about it, that's a very good question. I mean, obviously not in this first issue we've got oh, no, uh, Michael no, Curtis's, we've got Michael Curtis's campaign setting and this uh, wonderful Alyssa Faden, uh, map that if uh, the economics of it for the first issue had made sense would have been like some kind of pull out color thing in the middle of the magazine. It would have been beautiful. But uh, I love I am right there with you. Uh, when you know when Dragon magazine would show up and uh, Snitch Revenge would be stapled in the middle of it. I love that stuff.
2: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Flight of the Boodles. Flight <laughs> of the Boodles. Yeah. Hey, I like that game. That was that In was In Search fun. of
4: the Emperor's Treasure. That was yeah. one of my favorites that I remember. And didn't
0: they put out pocket games like Steve Jackson did way back when?
2: Oh, you mean Metagaming? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wasn't that. I thought that was TSR. TSR had. Well,
2: that. no. No, Metagaming. That was back when Steve Jacks, Jackson worked for Metagaming. They did the micro games like oh, Ogre and Gv.
0: Oh, right. I, but I thought TSR put a few of those
2: out. They did. They, they, they took a they little did. run at it. Yeah, they did.
0: Because uh, I still have a copy
2: Atari's of Empire. I still have
0: a copy of the, the creature that ate Sheboygan.
2: Mm, oh well and yeah, I, that was SBI first. But are you kidding?
3: Then I was it. Glenn, I was a child at the time, but my war games group down in Kentucky were the playtesters for the creature that ate Sheboygan. Really? Bluegrass the Bluegrass War Games Group. Oh wow. Don't tell me you
0: had anything to do with critter commandos, please. <laughs> no. no. <laughs>
3: I bought some of the miniatures for Gamma World, but that's about it. Yeah, those
2: are cool. I have. That's the beauty of Gamma World. You can buy all sorts of minis <laughs> It'll work for Gamma World. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's a buddies of burrows minis. Yeah, I'll take up Gamma World,
3: find Yeah, Gamma World, yeah, hoops. You I'll, know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take him- It always comes back to the rabbits somehow.
0: Yeah, I don't know why.
2: <laughs> well, you know, how many giant rabbits can turn metal into rubber, you know, it just it's awesome. <laughs>
3: I just revived my uh, Gamma World campaign after decades for my nephews a couple summers ago. The new version came out, and we tried that, and everybody had fun. And I'm like, well, let's compare apples to apples. Let's go do the first edition. And I ran that for them. And I love it when it's people that have never played Gamma World before because they're like, oh, look, bunnies, zap.
1: Hey,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, That's the thing about Gamma I've told this before on Gamma World. I started with first edition A D D for like three sessions and then our DM decided she wanted to play the next three years us playing Gamma World and this was first edition and you know I have no memory of any of those games I don't think she had a plot at all all we do is wander around the hex and run into mutant stuff that was it so I'm, I'm primed and ready to take another
2: whack at Gamma World Yeah, Liz still has her first edition copy of Gamma World up on the shelf.
4: Yeah, I got Jim Ward to sign it last year at the convention. Very
2: nice.
4: And I still have my original dice.
2: He does. The original little kind of brownish dice.
4: Now they were the multicolored dice.
2: Oh, yeah, like the the yellow four-siders that Uh kill people. (laughs) I'm thinking
3: of Jake There were players that... uh, in Tim's campaign, they made fun of me because I'm very scientific and empirically minded about everything in the universe except my game dice. And I have <laughs> bags within bags, and they're sorted so they don't contaminate each other. And I'm like the world's worst D20 roller for like my entire life. And I finally uh, grew a brain and decided to, uh, speaking of Jolly Blackburn, do it KDOT style and got uh, – uh steel cast, twenty cider, gold plated, I named it, you know, I carried it around for a while and suddenly I'm rolling good. But uh I have my one little bag to the side of my basic homes D and D dice that I will crank out for emergencies. They're all crumbly now.
0: So yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. So I guess you'd probably be insulted if I send you a pound of dice.
3: how what no free pound can, of dice? How
2: can anybody be insulted by getting extra dice? Okay, fine. But, I mean, you know, some people go,
0: well, you use anything? They're not sorted or nothing? Yeah, it's dice. What do you want? If this one rolls good. I'll use it.
2: rdn has got, like, a big Tupperware thing full of dice that's just kind of there for anybody to grab and use at need. Okay, okay. But so I'm, I'm thinking of taking Gamble World and plunking it down into
0: Carcosa and see what happens. But, well, game
3: mechanics-wise, that should be an easy fit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you got
0: mutations, you got
3: eldritch creatures.
0: Who who wouldn't love that, you know?
2: You have Thundar the Barbarian.
0: That's true. That would be a good fit. I just sort of like want to go all like, you know, Hunter S. Thompson on it. (laughs) Just go crazy.
3: Yeah. I'll tell you a, a, a quick story. Uh, there's a piece that I wrote that I don't think is going to be in the first issue. It'll probably be in the second issue. But there's a group here in town called the Retro D&D League, uh, a gentleman named Todd Bunn. That's one of the game store owners here in Cincinnati. Uh, when they first announced uh, D&D Next, he decided the thing to do was to take his group through a campaign, one continuous campaign where they played every single edition of D&D there ever was. Wow. And they started with Chainmail. Oh, they wow. sat down and and took Chainmail apart and played it one day, and working their way all steadily through every single edition of the game. And it's really, I, I, I'm obviously writing a piece about it. It's really interesting what came out of that experience for them because he has got a group that's mostly teenagers, all the way down to 14, and some older guys in their 40s. And what's missing in between is like the, the late 20s, early 30s people who were really centered on. Uh, 4E and uh, Pathfinder but on either side of that he's got people showing up at the table and immediately the old style game, as soon as they learn to keep rolling multiple characters because people are going to die they oh, yeah. their whole thinking changed from um, the focus being on my character to what's good for the whole campaign and it's very, the, I mean the 14, I've watched them play, the 14 and 15 year olds are having a blast, you know, playing OD&D and AD&D first edition
4: Well I look forward to read that, reading that
3: yeah, I want to see that, too. Yeah, sounds cool. The guy is conducting the equivalent of like a college course in uh, game mechanics. Whoa. <laughs> I guarantee you some of those kids are going to go on to write stuff.
2: Cool. Cool, yeah. yeah.
0: Then, they'll, then they'll be bollocks to find out. I mean, there's something other than d d out there. <laughs> but, yeah, but you're playing the best,
2: so okay. <laughs> well, it's where all the other games came from. That's true, that's true,
4: so, as the art editor, and it's probably a bit too soon to really get a feel for how things are going to go, but are do you as art editor get an idea handed down to you from the publishers, you know saying, okay, issue number three, we want to have you know X theme, so. You know, tell your artists that we want something along those lines. You know, how is that going to work out for you as far as orders from above and how you implement them in the art of the magazine?
3: Well, the great thing about, uh, Startups in general, as when uh, you're starting out, it's all very small and it's very intimate. So, I mean, there haven't been any orders handed down from above. Uh, it's just uh, synchronicity that uh, Jason and I are very much of one mind on how to approach a lot of this. Um, the, uh, the 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 no chainmail bikinis thing and the focus on handcrafted art. Um, but uh, in in general, I I've been art directing the uh, the artists. Uh, where possible. I mean, in some cases, I mean, uh, Jeff D uh, let us use some art that he had, so I wasn't directing Jeff D or anything like that. But uh, I, the art direction part of it is something that I really, really enjoy because it's kind of like uh, nobody's a better editor than somebody who's already been a writer. Um, you know, nobody's a better director than another actor. I, I just, uh, I know I'm, I know how, I just, you know, art direct, like I would want to be art directed. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of that involves just uh, trusting people and uh, cutting them loose, you know, and encouraging them more than being too specific. I mean, the the, the artists that I've been privileged to work with in some cases have said, "I'm not sure what to do here," and, and could you suggest a composition? The the sort of theme specific question you asked, we're just not there yet. I, I'm sure that'll that that kind of thing will come, where it'll be the all cobalt issue or something. <laughs> issue
2: twelve, <laughs> all flumps.
3: Woohoo! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bunnies and burrows and burrows and burrows. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> bunnies and belays.
2: Ah, bunnies and ballistas, Yeah, that, that's a word.
3: <laughs> yes. Hey, the last time I was in Denton was at uh, the Heritage reunion a few years ago at Reaper, and um, we were gaming with bun wraps.
2: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> cool. Spe- yeah. Speaking of heritage, we found out about that like the year after it had already happened. Because and I find it funny because. Uh, Unlike a lot of people, Liz actually was not brought into gaming by a boyfriend or whatever. She started all on her own. And by pure coincidence, one of the first sets she got was the Heritage Peyton play, Caverns of Doom. And mine was the Heritage uh, Crypt of the Sorcerer. So it's like we've all got these bits left – well, you've got virtually your entire set still. My I,
4: I do. I, I have the paints, which are all dried in their little tiny plastic containers, but
3: that happens.
2: Yeah. <sighs> Heritage was really cool back in the day.
3: I got to know those uh, gentlemen because, uh, one of those paint and play sets was Galacta and, and we played the hell out of that when we were kids. And, uh, uh our, that same uh, War, Bluegrass Wargamers group, we corresponded with Dave, started corresponding with Dave Helber. And when Heritage shut down, he sent us the unpublished second version of the Galacta Miniature Rules. And then I went and wrote my own version. And uh, back, I don't know, six, seven years ago, uh, I'd corresponded with him over the years. I called him up, and I'm like, can, uh, what can I do to secure your permission to do a new version of these rules? And he's like, uh, pay me a dollar or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
2: So Galacta was one of the. I know they had done a couple of sci-fi paint and play sets, but I didn't know what they were called. So I guess Galacta was one of them.
3: Yes. Yes.
2: Ah. Okay.
3: It is exactly like the uh, the Dungeon Dweller set you're talking about.
2: So it was kind of a skirmish slash role esque kind. No of...
3: roleplay, play. Just just you know little little Star Wars guys and dice. A so twelve sider. My my personal favorite dice. Yeah, woohoo! Yeah. 12
2: siders <laughs> Never used enough, I think, in most games. No,
3: not at all. I think I was watching the Science Channel the other day, and they were explaining that that's the shape of our universe is a dodecahedron. Hey, there you go. All hail the dodecahedron! Sorry,
0: that's my Doctor Who coming out.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: old, 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 old Doctor Who as befitting the creepy old man in the back. Okay.
2: Hey, hey, we're we're the Doctor Who fans too, you know. Actually, wasn't that the one with the written by Douglas Adams with the cactus guy? Yeah, I think megalos? So. Yeah, Megalos.
0: Yeah, that was part of the wheel, the uh the 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 thing of t- the key of time. So, yeah. 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 Well, I thought I knew that stuff. You guys know it better than I do. <laughs> I remember seeing the first American broadcast of The Talons of Wing Chiang. So that shows you how old I am. Hang on, I got it right here. So do I. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, you got your screwdriver. Andy. Oh, <laughs> God. Hey, look, hey, you know, I got this sore knee right here Could I hold it up to the, the speaker. You can...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's deadlo- deadlock sealed. Oh, you can edit all this out later, right? Oh, sure, <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah. Oh. Oh, he could. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jim, be be comforted in the fact that I'm the editor.
2: Or, or not. Be afraid. Or
1: not. Or be very afraid.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you think you, you'd really like uh, fans and potential fans of Gygax Magazine to know before heading in and gra- getting their mitts on an issue?
3: Yeah. I'll you know just buckle your twenty siders because it's going to be great. Okay. You get a special cool. deal with the first issue. What? A nude lady?
2: Anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, she's nude except for all the clothes. Yes. Anyway.
0: So if, you, if you bought a PDF, she's going to keep a brawn.
3: <laughs> real female. <laughs> real female paladins wear full plate. Done. That's true.
0: Yes, but you know it wouldn't be gamers if we didn't break out a little Monty Python. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or Black Adder.
0: Or black black hatter. I tell Brian Brian hates me you know we don't do the I don't like the Monty Python. I do Monty Python, but I do select good Monty Python. Thank
2: you. (laughs) I'm a gamer, I'm a gamer snob. (laughs) Well, you're a movie snob too, so you know, I guess that works. Will you knock it off? (laughs) Thanks for coming on the show, Jim, and thanks for answering our
3: questions.
4: We we appreciate you spending time with us.
3: Thank you. Uh, It was honored to be invited. Thank you guys for having me. Hopefully you can come on again at another time. You are welcome anytime. Yeah. Oh well thanks. I'd love to do that. That'd (laughs) be great.
0: All uh are we done? Are we going down the
2: road? We're heading down the road. How are you heading down the road this time, Glenn? Oh you would pick me first. Yes, I would. Okay. Um reading gygax magazine,
0: of course. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. working on some artwork so that's
2: about it Biz?
4: I am heading down the road with my cadre of kobolds from the Kobolds Corner Ooh.
2: Well, I am heading down there trying desperately to finish my paint and play Crypt of the Sorcerer set with the Bozo the troll Troll miniature out of the
3: set <laughs> <laughs> those who have it know what I mean oh yeah and Jim I'm there. heading down the road across the room back to my drafting table <laughs> to <do> some work <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: it's, a, it's time to go.
2: All right, everybody take care.
4: Good night everybody. Good night.
2: Free arc.